Welcome back, everybody, for another exciting episode of This Week in Mormons. I'm so exciting. <laughs> That's Melissa. She's yep. here with me, brother and sister duo here again today. Hi, Matt. How have you been? What you been up to? Um, so yesterday, my son got his wisdom teeth out. Oh. I had to teach classes uh, pretty much all day. So anyhow, we went to Rexburg because that's the dental work is way cheaper in Rexburg. Okay. We left at five in the morning. I went in for him to get his wisdom teeth out. And then I thought, well, I'll just teach class while he's getting his wisdom teeth out. You're such a good dad. Yeah, yeah. but it didn't, it didn't go very well because you actually need to have parental supervision. So anyhow, after he Ooh. was done, the dentist is like, okay, so we put him, I didn't know they were putting him to sleep. So they, oh. yeah. So he wakes up and they're like, um, someone has to be with him for 24 hours in case there's a problem. And I'm like, I can't be there for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, like, and he's going to have blood. Like there's things you have to do to take care of your child. Yes, we know that, Matt. That's what <laughs> happens. Yeah. I'm a dad. So uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've never done these things. Okay. I got L- it. Lucky for me, my mom and my aunt uh, were there. And so they, they really, really helped out. And so um, they had like, they were like, you need to put some ice on that. And I literally, I called mom. I was like, I know this sounds like a stupid question, but where do I get ice to put on <laughs> his cheeks? Did she tell you to run to the Maverick? <laughs> they said, we have some frozen veggies in the freezer that he can, they're in a bag he can put Perfect. on his <laughs> Perfect. It's like, can I please come and drop him off? I'm in a big mess. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Listen, what we've learned, Matt, is that your son needed you, but you also needed your parent. (laughs) That's That's right. That's what we've learned. You never stop being a parent to your children. Or needing one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What about you? Um, Let's see. Uh, Two big things happened since we last talked. Um, First of all, I became an official empty nester. So our youngest daughter officially moved out. It is me and my awesome husband and my dog. Life is quiet, but magnificent. It's very good. You, you really like being an empty nester? I love it. Yeah. Well, Are there? I'm an introvert, so I don't mind alone time. I love alone time, in fact. I love quiet time. Um, so that that's awesome. And um, and I love my husband. Like We, we get along great. We have fun together. So um, yeah, I, it's great. I love so it. I, I'm only like halfway empty nester, but I'll tell mm-hmm. you the thing that's hard for me is it's like I have to schedule time to talk to the kids. Like I used Mm -hmm. to be able to just, they're in the room or whatever. So I just say what I want to say and then we're done. But now it's kind of like a production in order to interact with them. And that's harder for me to like schedule. interact with them less. (laughs) 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 You know what actually has been working really well is the Marco Polo app. I know it's kind of dumb, but what I like about it is, so all of our families just, it's, almost like a text message, except it's video, like a group chat. And I like Marco Polo because you're recording a video of yourself. So you kind of get that face-to-face interaction. You can see what's going on with them. Like you can judge their emotions a little bit, right? But you just play it when you're available and ready, right? It's not like a text where you feel like you have to respond right away, or it's not a phone call where you feel like you have to answer. So everybody just kind of chimes in once a day and just kind of says what's happening and you know what we need and what we need to coordinate. It's working really good. I like it so, a lot. So like if you had really exciting news that you wanted to share with somebody, yeah. you would just turn on that app and say it to the app. and then Yeah, I'd say, hey fam, guess what's going on? This, 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 this. And then by the end of the day, 
Or maybe the next day, everybody's checked back in and had a chance to respond and tell me what's going on with them. But you don't get good. you don't get the immediate feedback of your good news. Nope, you don't. Nope. Yeah. And my daughters yeah. are schedulers, so Morgan does call every Monday at five. Right? Oh, okay. Addie comes home every Friday afternoon to change the page on the recipe book and check in. <laughs> like they, they have routines, but yeah, it's different. But I like it. Huh. I have other well, big news too. Uh huh. Um, I got released from my favorite calling ever. No. It, I say release, but it felt like I got fired, to be honest. <laughs> it felt like a firing. So, yeah. So, my husband just got released from the bishopric, and he got put into the Sunday school presidency. Mm. Dream calling. Yeah. Um, and so, I felt like I was safe because I'm like, you know, I love my Sunday school calling more than anything. I've been teaching the um, older kids Sunday school, eight, 17 and 18-year-olds. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we, we know you love it. And I was like, I know I've been in for four years, but I want to stay in forever. And, and you've got to have my back because now you're in the Sunday school presidency. So I thought I was golden. And then, listen, 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's right. 6 a.m. I get a, so text, a text that says, can you come in for an appointment? And I was like, uh, sure, sure. So I roll out of bed and roll in and... Um, as I'm walking in, the other two people that I co-teach with are leaving. So I'm like, mm. oh, crud, we're all getting released. So those two have only been in a couple of months each, too. Like, it hasn't been a long-term calling for them. So, yeah, he says, hey, um, we're going to release you. I was like, okay. And he's like, "I'm, I'm. we really appreciate your service. I'm sure this has been a really difficult calling. And I was like, hold up, brother. <laughs> like, this hasn't been difficult. This has been my most favorite calling ever. Like, I loved it so much. And he was like, oh, awkward. <laughs> I'm trying to make it awkward. Just FYI, I've loved it. And he's like, okay, well, I'm embarrassed to say we don't have another calling for you. I was like, awesome. So Are they like restructuring the class? I mean, it's a new bishopric. So I'm sure they're doing a lot of restructuring of everything, you know? I would not but, do that if I didn't have to. Well, so all three of us got released and none of us got new callings. So we were like, wow. did we just get fired? I think we just yeah. got fired. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not you. It's how great this other person is. Yeah, <laughs> they just... need the opportunity to work with these youth. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, I'm, I'm not sad. happy. But, yeah. okay, so... so if... I took the opportunity to say, like, you don't need to just, like, find me a calling just to find me a calling. Like, just so you know, I hate kids. <laughs> I literally said, I hate kids. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, no primary, no nursery. Strong pass. Wait, like, how young are we talking? I'm like, literally, I hate kids. Love teenagers. Love them. But I, I don't want to be your primary teacher. I'm <laughs> celebrating being an empty nester. Okay. So. Imagine this is his like first time doing callings as a new bishopric counselor too. And I'm like, here's my list of demands. <laughs> Well, so if somebody gets called to be a bishop or a stake president, afterwards people are like, congratulations. Yeah. Um, but then you're sort of like, maybe I shouldn't. But so should you congratulate someone if they're released from a calling to no calling at all? Like, that's kind know. of congratulations too, right? It's like I nothing. Know. I mean, it, it, listen, what it does is it makes me feel like one of those old people who sit in the back row of church. Yes, me and my mm. husband with no kids. I'm mm -hmm. like, suddenly we're a different population group than I thought we were. We're the old people who've already done every calling and we just come to church and chill. Like that's yeah. kind of like we switched groups now. It's kind of weird. They're going to give you a calling of like organize the ward um, Easter party or something like that. Oh yeah. Like, but then I'd have to go to the ward Easter party. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you have a dream calling? 
Um, yeah. So my dream calling is actually to be on a stake high council because I like Ooh. to talk. I've never. There's other aspects of it I wouldn't love, but you mean like talk in church? Yeah. Yeah. If I have to be in a sacrament meeting, I would rather be the one talking than listening to other people talk. Absolutely. Me too. How pretentious are we? But yeah, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> so I actually I actually turned that calling down. I don't know if you remember, but like uh-huh. about two years ago, we were moving and we had just signed a lease on a new place to live. And the Sunday, like the Sunday before I moved everything, the stake president called me in and he's like, We're calling you to the stake high council. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is a tender mercy because I don't have to do the calling, but <laughs> Heavenly Father knows if there was one calling that I would ever want, it's that one. So it's him saying, I love you. Aww. You don't have time for this right now. Go do your other stuff in your life. <laughs> That's fun. That's yeah, fun. It's, it's nice to be called and not have to accept the calling. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to the news, Melissa. Okay, I think we're going to start with just some quick clips of some of the week's news stories. The first one that I wanted to talk about was um, Elder Nelson. He's such a social media dude lately. Do you call the prophet a dude? I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. How disrespectful. How disrespectful. Uh, Here's the thing. He said, may I make a few suggestions for resolutions? Absolutely, you may. So he said, first, resolve to strengthen your spiritual foundation. Great. Second, resolve to be kind. That's cool. Third, I don't know what this means, but I'm going to do it. Third, resolve to be resolute. Matt, what does that mean? Mm, mm. It's like the resolute desk in the White House. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not up to date on my White House. What does that mean? I don't know. I just know that the president sits behind the resolute desk. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. Well, resolve to be resolute. Okay. <laughs> Um, along with that, um, the church news put out kind of a big list of all of the things that have happened in the five years since President Nelson became prophet. So pretty much exactly five years ago this week, President Nelson was set apart to be um, president and prophet of the church, January 14th, 2018. And I think it's kind of cool to look back at all of the changes or, you know, things that have happened since he became a prophet. And I know you have access to this list too. I'm going to tell you some of the things that I thought were significant. Um, He, in 2018, we ended our relationship with the Boy Scouts of America. Oh, That was fantastic because no longer did moms have to serve as Cub Scout leaders. Uh 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 Um, There was the new guideline for youth interviews. So now it's it's the thing where a youth doesn't have to meet one-on-one with a bishop, right? They can have a parent come in with them, uh, young women's or young men's leader come in with them, and um, the interview questions are not quite as probing. So that was, that was a, a while ago. I think it's made a big difference. Um, we had new Preach My Gospel. We had a lot of stuff come out having to do with missionaries, right? Missionaries can call home now once a week. Um, we have the at-home MTC. Um, so that's a lot of the big changes. Um, what, what, what did you pull out here, Matt? From well, you missed the biggest change of all, which is okay. two hour sacrament meeting. That's the biggest one of all. Yeah. No, two hour church meeting, Matt. Sacrament meeting is not two hours long. <laughs> oh yeah. So Ooh. do you know what I've noticed though? <laughs> On that note, it used to be state conference wasn't my favorite week, but I would be like, but it's only two only hours. Two hours. So 
But now I sit in state conference and I'm like, oh, this is so long. long. (laughs) One meeting? (laughs) When are we going to have two hour or one hour state conference? And why can state conference not be from home via Zoom anymore? Like that was the golden era of state conference. Yeah, that was pretty nice. We just sat home and watched it. Yeah. We're such old church members. My favorite, because I'm a, a man of division. Uh-huh. I like the change, the name change for the church, right? Because I'm not joking. Oh. I was writing a book about religion and politics mm-hmm. and it came out, it was released in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so it was like right around the time when it was being published. And I have a chapter in there about like Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> and and so then he's giving this talk and I'm like, oh no. Oh, okay. can book- Mormons. Yeah, and I got a book coming out. And then I had an encyclopedia article that I was writing about. Um, it was like the political mobilization of the Mormon church. Like that was the assigned title. I didn't get to choose the title. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh no, all this stuff's going to come out where I use the word Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. And president, yeah. the president of the church is telling us, no, no, say Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it just goes to show how good of a Mormon you are because you're not <laughs> a good Mormon because you said I'm Mormon. Or I'm sorry, how good of a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints you are. <laughs> That's really what it's showing us. That's so probably why I, you'll never get a high councilman calling again. <laughs> in my in my classes, if a student wants to virtue signal, they'll call <laughs> someone out when they say the word Mormon and they'll be like, <clears throat> Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's like, come on. We always need something to virtue signal in our lives. We do. Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job of adjusting as a church, but I think, you know, media wise and worldwide, we're still known largely as Mormons. Yeah. Well, I appreciate everything President Nelson said in that talk, and I agree with him. But at the same time, I don't know. And, and it was Elder Anderson gave a talk about all the difference it made when he started changing his language and other uh-huh. people that do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the cause. I'm just not good at it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there have been a lot of temple changes in the last five years, um, notably the one-year waiting period for temple sealings. After you, So if you got married civilly, not in the temple, in the United States, you used to have to wait a year to then get married in the temple, be sealed in the temple. That's no longer a thing. That was discontinued. Um, also, we let women, youth, and children serve as witnesses um, in the temple um, and in other ordinances. Um, you could submit your names to temple prayer rolls online. That's a new thing in the th- past five years. There was you want me to tell you here. something funny about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friends from Ukraine, they tell me that every day they put President Zelensky's name on the temple prayer roll. Like oh. a whole bunch of them, like every oh. day. Make sure we get the president of Ukraine on the prayer roll. That's kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's not really the purpose of the prayer roll when I read no. what it says, but it's still, I like it. It's how they yeah. express it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's see. May 24th, 2021. I did not know this, or I don't remember hearing it. Um, the First Presidency announces the discontinuation of time-only marriages in temples. So in temples, you can only be sealed for time and all eternity. They'll no longer just marry you just for time. Did you know about oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading about that. If you want to get married to somebody for time, it has to be in a chapel, not in the temple. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. There's um, actually um, a historian that that talked about that, but oh. it was really fascinating. Like the history of that doctrine and all of the temple ordinances and all of that stuff. So it, like historically, it's not a big change, but I do think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I do too. 
Um, and a lot of the more recent changes we talked about in our wrap-up of the year um, last time we recorded. Anything else here notable that you wanted to mention? Nope. I think it's fun to live in an era with a prophet who is not afraid to say, let's make some adjustments. Let's, we're a worldwide church. Um, we're trying to be more inclusive and let's adjust things that can be adjusted. I think it's cool. Yeah. So the next story we're going to talk about is uh, related to two temples. So Mexico City, it takes about three hours on average to get from one end of the city to the other. And so there's a story out there about um that's the reason why they're building six new temples in Mexico City to make it easier for people who live in different parts of the city to get to the temple without going through all of that congestion and all of that traffic. Yeah, that is such a big city. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Um, I, I like when they made the announcement of four more at the last conference, four more temples in Mexico City. I was like picturing Provo, Utah, right? Like Provo with like two or three temples and, you know, or even just like, you know, that whole valley has a lot of temples, but this is an enormous city with an enormous population. And yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. And there's another fun story about um, some saints who had to cross the Congo river by boat in order to get uh, to the Congo temple. So Hmm. even though the, the temple's not ne- like geographically far away. They had to find a way. There was 41 church members that had to find a way to cross the Congo River. And of course, they had to wait for the COVID restrictions to, re- to ease and they had to save their money and all of that stuff. But it's kind of fun, the different experiences people have around the world just trying to get to the temple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we do take for granted a lot our access to the temple. Um, I do think that there's countries where your closest temple is in another country. Like you have to have a passport to get to the temple, you know? There's just situations that we really don't think about and dedicated members who really care about it. Yeah. And when they get to the temple, they stay there for days doing all the ordinances they can because they finally got to the temple. Yeah, yeah. When I first moved to Kansas, I was talking to some of the people who'd been there for a while, and they said that before the Chicago Temple had been built, there they were in the Manti Utah Temple District. Like, <gasps> wow, yeah, there were, and it was. I think they said it was like an eighteen-hour drive for them to get to the temple. But it's just crazy how things are now, right? Like, yeah. there's just temples everywhere. And there was a time when I was in Kansas when my friend who lived in Kiev. They had just built the Kiev temple, and I was like, wow, it's easier for you to get to the temple than it is for me to get to the temple. But Hmm. it's not like that anymore. Temples are almost everywhere. Yeah. Okay, um, our next story is um, we're changing to a new Come Follow Me um, area of study for this year. We're switching to the New Testament, and um, I think this is our second time going through the New Testament in Come Follow Me. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Okay, so we've kind of run through everything. Um, uh, I, the things um, that are kind of in the news about this is um, the church is putting out a lot of things to help us differentiate the way that the New Testament is as a, 
as a teaching tool. So just to kind of keep in mind as we're learning and studying the New Testament, that parables are the way that a lot of the New Testament is taught, right? So to understand what a parable is, learn a little about about parables. And then also to kind of get to know the authors, right? So we've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they use different stories, different parables to teach a lot of the same things. And that um, as we're studying the New Testament, we just need to keep in mind who the author is and what their intent is, and that different people, including authors, can have different in- interpretations for things that happen. Um, I think that's kind of I think that's kind of good to keep in mind as we're studying the New Testament. I know I know that every book of scripture has its own challenge, right? Like the Old Testament, I think people were afraid to death to learn and to go through. Um, I loved it. I learned so many things. Um, but what we just need to understand is that now we're doing the New Testament and it has its own different challenges too. Um, hey, have you heard of this app called Blue Letter Bible? You know, I feel like you've told me about it before and then I promptly ignored you. So <laughs> you tell me again and I'm going to listen better this time. Blue Letter Bible is an app that will let you have any version of the Bible you want. You can choose any language and any edition. So, and you can have them side by side. So I set up my Blue Letter Bible to have King James on the left uh-huh. and then the New Living Translation on the right. The New Living Translation is like the most plain English translation you could get. Yeah, yeah, I and, love that one. Yeah. And and I, I found in the Old Testament, it was so great. We would sit in Sunday school and people would be like, what in the world does this mean? And I would say, let me read it for you in the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would read it to them. And so I've started this year with the New Testament. I only read the... New Living Translation, um, and I'm somewhere in the near the end of Matthew. And it's not like it's new stuff that I haven't heard before, but it's just different. And I'm not that great at that old English stuff, and so it really, really like brings insights. But sometimes my wife will like challenge me on it. She'd be like, "Where does it get that translation from?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I guess it from wherever they get it from." And sure, but you could open up two or three different translations at the same time in the app, is what you're saying, and kind of compare yeah. them. Yeah, and that's cool. like. Today I read there's this section of Matthew where there's a a demon that they can't cast out and Jesus does it and the apostles say, why couldn't we do it? And then he says, because you didn't have enough faith. And then there's also this verse that says, and this kind of demon doesn't get cast out unless by prayer and fasting. That's the New Living Translation language. Uh But it had a footnote there that said, lots of manuscripts don't include this verse. So you also know like, oh, some manuscripts completely leave that verse out. It's in the wow. King James, it's in the New Living Translation, but some of them don't even have it at all because the translator said that verse isn't there or it shouldn't be there or something like that. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Okay, I would like to publicly pledge to you that I'm going to try your your app. Blue, it's really... Blue Letter Bible? Yeah, Blue Letter Bible. It's really... I like it. Hey, should I be professional and say we'll put it in the show notes? Um, we won't. I don't think... Really. Yeah, we won't. Okay. That's <laughs> easy to remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Okay, so my story is um, about the new youth theme for the year. The new youth theme comes from Philippians, and it's, I can do all things through Christ. And the logo that the church is using is a cairn, C-A-I-R-N, a cairn rock formation. So, Oh, like the stacked rocks? Yeah. So do you ever see those when you're hiking? Yeah, I love to hike and I love to set up cairns. And then I always get told, listen, you got to do it right or not do it at all. But I just think they look pretty, but they're supposed to give you directions, like tell you that you're on the right path. And anyways, I'm a subversive hiker, I suppose. 
I kind of hike a little bit and I had no idea what these things were until today. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know if you saw the movie Blair Witch Project. I did not. In the Blair Witch Project, they have those things like, anyhow, they're in the woods, they're lost, they're trying to find their way out and they make these little, now I know that they're called cairns. Uh And um, I let my boys watch that show on VidAngel, so it was edited. But it okay. was a little bit before Phew. they were <laughs> a little bit before Phew, they yeah. were mature enough to do it. Uh-huh. And so for years they were just f- so afraid that the Blair Witch was out there gonna get them. <laughs> and so when we would go hiking and they would see those rocks, they're like, oh, Blair Witch, Blair Witch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm grateful for this new logo. Because oh, now yeah. I can t- tell this my will boys really bring the youth theme home for your boys. It's yeah. not about it's not about the Blair Witch. It's about pointing to show you the way. And these yeah. rocks are gonna help you find the way. I mean, it's a it's a cool looking logo. If I'm being honest, they did good work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah, and I I think it's I think it's nice. I I think our church is really doing a good job of reaching out to youth, and we have we have not just you know a theme and not just an image. We have music. You know, we just we really really try. We have conferences. We have all these things to really try and engage our youth. I think yeah, it's good. I like it. Cool. Oh, that reminds me. That that's like, I just see that my next story is something I'm more excited to talk about. Yeah, I can't wait for your next story. You know how those streaming stations like to do stories that are mean about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. <laughs> sure, sure. Notice how I didn't use the word Mormon there. I was really proud of you. I was like, that was a really long introduction. Go on. <laughs> well, so apparently in Pocatello back in the day. There was a woman that got kidnapped, well, a girl that got kidnapped by a neighbor that she knew from church. Uh-huh. And now it's, um, first there was a documentary, but now they're fictionalizing it. And now Wait, is this a, the Broberg girl? Yeah. Do you know this story? Uh, yeah, Matt, I am the biggest true crime fan in the whole universe. I listen to every true crime podcast, including when I cannot fall asleep. I'm like, oh, I better turn on true crime to fall asleep. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the Broberg. So yeah. yeah, okay. The Jan Broberg story is now, uh, it's going to be a series on um, Peacock. Like a series like Under the Banner of Heaven, like multiple. Yeah. Huh. So there's already a documentary on Netflix, right? But some people, the documentary is not enough. You want to like get into the facts, but we don't know the facts. So we want to fictionalize the facts so that we can get into the fictionalized version of the story and feel like we're really, really there. Okay. I, I'm, I'm reading this link to this article that you sent. And I've got to say, I feel like this is going to be a very negative um, portrayal of the church because listen to this paragraph in the article. The founder of LDS and Mormonism is Joseph Smith. Smith could also be accused of lying and manipulating people to get what he wanted using a fantastical story. What he wanted was polygamy, which included the marrying of some minors or underage teenage girls. It's ironic that this series is about condemning what Bob Bertold did, but not what Joseph Smith did. <laughs> That's irony, Whoa, isn't it? I cannot wait to see this. <laughs> Well, you know, it's out there in the news, so people should be aware. When people start asking you about Broberg and say, well, didn't Joseph Smith do the same thing, but he called it polygamy instead? Now you can be armed and ready to go. I'll be be armed. I'm ready. One was a child molester. Yes. One was a prophet. We're not going to equate those two. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. 
Um, I'm going to move us to Elder Holland and his wife, Sister Holland, um, did a really great devotional for young adults earlier this week. Um, they were in St. George and they, it was just completely all for young adults. I think it was great timing. They're all getting back to college after having their Christmas break. Elder Holland and Sister Holland are literally the epitome of love. They're just so full of love kindness, joy. They don't pretend like life is easy, right? They don't act like, oh, this is so great. Like they're not, they're not fake, but they're hopeful and they're so full of love. And, um, and they, they gave a beautiful devotional to young adults. I think everybody should listen to it, even if you're not a young adult. Um, but I just wanted to just say a couple of things that were in the devotional. Um, one of them, this quote, my most earnest prayer tonight, my hope is that you as young adults all over the world will receive this call as your personal ministry, that you will take the hope of which the Savior spoke and carry it like a torch into the world to those who feel the world is a very dark and difficult place. Um, I thought that was beautiful. Like be the light is basically what he's saying. Um, and then he also said like the world has a lot of problems and your generation has a lot of difficult things that are in front of you. And then this quote, we call on you and every other young Latter-day Saint to be in the forefront of the moral force that can resolve these problems that can turn back the tide of fear, pessimism, and anxiety surrounding us. Um, so basically his message was, Hey, let's be hopeful. Let's be a light. Let's do things to change the world in the way that we want to see the world changed. I, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I really like Elder Holland and the messages that he shares. Uh, did you know that we're related to his wife? We're related to sister Holland. Yeah. She's a descendant of Zira Pulsifer. And so are we. Um, Matthew, who mm-hmm. is Zira Pulsifer? He's the connection between us and Sister Holland. <laughs> I thought Zero was a she, first of all. No, 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 no. So he was if, in the... If we got on the app, you know, where you can like find how you're related to everyone around you, would we be 22nd cousins with Sister Holland? Or like, how close are we talking? Well, Zero Pulsifer was a prominent member of the church. And so lots of people who are related to him will just say, I'm related to him. So I don't know how oh. she's related to him. Okay. And he did have more than one wife and he had like nine kids from his first wife and we're from the first daughter. But um, there's so many people that are related to him, but, but so okay. is Patricia Holland. So it's feeling like a Mormon myth, but I will allow for it because <laughs> um, I like to be related to famous Mormons, whether or not that's actually true. Well, also because she told me that she was related to him. So I, uh, I don't know. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the last story that we're going to cover in depth is that they announced that the MTC is going to have kind of a standardized online experience. So it used to be that um, if you were going foreign language, you would spend three weeks at home in the MTC and you would start language training at home. Okay. And then if you were going Eng- you're going to a country in your native language, then you would just go a week at home and then you'd go to the MTC. Now at at least the five MTCs that they announced, which Provo is one of them, uh-huh. You'll spend a week at home doing home MTC, regardless of the language you're learning, and then you'll get you'll get all your documents and all that stuff in place. Like if you're going to the Brazil MTC, so you do a week at home and then you go to the Brazil MTC, or you do a week at home and then you go to the Provo MTC. Okay. So it sounds like they're making it kind of more like the way that it's going to be is people will spend a week at home and in the MTC, and then they'll go right to the MTC after they're already set apart and have started their MTC experience. 
Well, I think that's great. I know a couple of podcasts ago, you talked about how much you had enjoyed doing at-home MTC with your daughter. And I've actually thought back on that a few times about how you said you get the opportunity to see them becoming a missionary. And also it gives them a chance to become a missionary without that leaving home anxiety that comes in that first week or so. Yeah, I think it's great. And it's true. There are some like situations where it's difficult, but yeah. there are exceptions to the rule. And I think that allowing allowing missionaries to begin the mission at home helps both the family that's sending them and then the missionary that's going. Awesome. Okay, great. Okay, we are done with that segment. And now, Matt, we get to go on to one of your most favorite segments. All of our segments are one of your most favorite ones. But this (laughs) is our famous Mormons. Hey, try to guess from this list of three people. We've got Amy Adams. Amy Adams, for those of you who don't know who she is. I don't know who she is. You know the movie Enchanted, but now there's like, it's called Disenchanted or whatever. The redheaded um, princess who sings songs in Enchanted. Okay, wait, Matt, we need to start over. Okay, okay, pause, okay. What we're doing is you're going to tell me three people and one of them is a Mormon. Yeah. And all three of them are famous. And I got to pick which one's the Mormon. Yeah. Okay, and the first one is Amy Adams. Yes. She's a comedian? No, she's an actor. She. She's very famous from the show Enchanted. Okay, okay. Okay, Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Amy Adams. As one choice. Okay. Adina Manzel is another choice. Do you know who that is? Uh, How do I spell it? I-D-I-N-A. So there's the play Wicked. She's very famous for her singing in Wicked. Okay, I just Googled her. Yes, I know who she is. Okay. Okay. She's an option. Then the last choice is Jeremy Renner who plays Hawkeye in the Marvel Jeremy movies. Center. And he's in like um, one of the Bourne, Jason Bourne movies. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm also Googling him. He was recently okay. hit by a snowplow while shoveling his driveway. He's in... the Mormon. Only Mormons shovel their driveways. Oh, good guess. But the, you're <laughs> wrong, Melissa. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me think again. Jeremy Renner, Dina Manzel, Amy Adams. Wait, Amy Adams? Is she yeah. the one who was in contact? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contact? No, no. Arrival. Arrival. Yeah, yeah. The alien movie where she yeah. taught them linguistics or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, her? She is. She's a Mormon. Like well, an actual Mormon? She was raised sorry, a member Matt, of the church. Is she a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? <laughs> <laughs> Famous. So she, she uh, when the when the Superman movies were coming out, she uh-huh. talked openly about how she was raised a member of our church. And that oh. even now as an adult, she still feels guilty when she goes to bars and parties and drinks and stuff like that. And okay. so she talked about how there's this religious guilt that sticks with her. And she thinks of that as the bad side of our faith. But then oh. she talked about all the morals and all of the friendships and the love and the kindness. And that that's yeah. a good part of our faith. But she's no longer an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But she's famous. And she yeah, once was. Famous. Part of our church. That was such a fun game. Okay, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to do it for you now. Okay. Okay. But my guesses are all going to be people that middle-aged women know. Okay. 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 Oh, I hope I know all of them. Okay. Okay. Here's your first choice, Rachel Ray. Okay. She, she's the Italian that does cooking stuff. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh-huh. Joanna Gaines. Oh yeah, Chip's wife. Chip and Jojo. Yeah, she's the famous Waco woman. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ree Drummond, the pioneer woman. Okay, so there's no way that it's Joanna Gaines because my wife read her memoir and she never yeah. mentioned that. 
She's very religious, but not LDS. Um, so I'm going to pick the pioneer name because pioneer sounds very member of our church. Pioneer woman, Reed Drummond. Yeah, is <gasps> okay. she? Uh, no, but she's <laughs> she's the right answer. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't think I played the game right, but uh, she's Mormon adjacent. What does that well, mean? Sort of. She has a Mormon recipe in her cookbook. <laughs> Okay, because like I own every single one of the Pioneer Woman's cookbooks. She has six. But listen, she has a recipe in her newest cookbook. She has a recipe for funeral potatoes. And that's what they're called. Funeral potatoes, which as we know is a Mormon recipe. And listen, I'm going to read you what it says in her cookbook. Listen, funeral potatoes come from the Mormon community. And once you (sighs) taste them, you'll understand why they've stood the test of time. They're everything that's wonderful about potato casseroles. Guess what? <laughs> She's probably actually a Mormon. Do you she think has so? Potatoes and credits the Mormons with them. Although her recipe, she does do something wrong because she doesn't put um, cornflakes or Ritz crackers on the top. She does mm. crumbled potato chips. No, 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 no. That's She's not just it. trying to elevate Mormonism, I think, is what she's trying to do. So by your definition of famous Mormon, if Snoop the Donkey Dog did like a cover of the Mormon rap. He's Mormon. (laughs) That's right. That's what it means. Okay. Just wanted to make sure how you define the the parameters of this little game. Yeah, the game can be whatever we want it to be. (laughs) I like it. Okay, so big deal, little deal, no deal. We're going to go through some news stories, and we're just going to say kind of quickly if we think it's big deal, little deal, or no deal. And we okay. won't spend as much time on the stories, but it's a way to like put the stories out there so that people can know that they're out there, and they'll know what we think if it's a big deal, little deal, or no deal. So Okay, so gonna- before, before we tell what the story is, we just make a judgment call based on the headline, right? The headline. That's right. I okay, good. The headline okay, great. Okay. And then you say if it's a big deal, a little deal, or a no deal. Okay. Okay. So my headline for you is slower than expected church growth. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Say it in three, two, one. Little no deal. deal. Oh, okay. Tell me why that's a little deal. Well, I think that... Um, we are, as members of the church, we're concerned with growth, right? Missionary work is a big push of what we do, and then also engaging current members. So I think if we're not growing as fast as is expected, that's a little bit of a deal. You say okay. no deal? Well, because it's all about predictions that people made forever ago, right? They said in 20 years, the church is going to be a major world religion with 36 to 121 million members, and mm-hmm. we don't have that many. So. Mm-hmm. That's no deal at all. That just means that somebody got their prediction wrong a long time ago. Okay. Like, to me, that's a non-story. Someone thought it would be so much. It Do wasn't. you think the church needs to work on ways to improve growth? No. Yeah, we're doing a good job. I think that growth has never been the goal. Yeah. Right? The goal is sharing the gospel. Yeah. And then people do what they're going to do. And I growth, if, if growth is your goal, then... You're, you're doing something wrong as a church. You celebrate yeah. every time a person joins the church and you do everything you can to keep them in. But the numbers themselves, I don't think anyone should care. I really don't think so either, especially because agency is such a big principle in our church, right? We want people to join the church because that's what they choose and that's what they know and feel is right. And I think in the past, we've had explosive church growth, but it hasn't had any real depth to it. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I agree. Okay, are you ready for my headline? I'm excited. Okay. All right. Um, 
Do you know who Lori Daybell is? Um, yes. Every time I talk to you, you mention her. I know. <laughs> Listen, again, true crime. Okay. Here's your headline. Lori Vallow Daybell tells court she has an alibi for her children's deaths. Okay. Big deal, little deal or no deal. Three, two, one. Big, big deal. deal. Did you say big? Yeah, that's a big deal. Listen, I um, I think this Daybell story is one of the biggest of all time. And I, I don't want to like retell the whole story, but just in case you're lost, Chad and Lori Daybell, um, they, um, they got married under weird circumstances. They started to have some really extreme church beliefs, although they still considered themselves active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They became kind of extreme and kind of into end times and started believing in zombies and um, the the world is about to end. And um, eventually were charged with killing both of Lori's children. Um, they are charged with killing Chad's um, wife. And Lori is also charged with killing um, her previous husband. But Lori Daybell hasn't said anything for a long time. She's been deemed mentally unfit. And now, um, even though she is still deemed mentally unfit, she has come out and said that she does not want to use the insanity or the mental illness as an excuse in her trial, that she doesn't need that because she has an alibi. And she has an alibi for when her children were killed. What she says is her kids were killed at her brother's apartment. And she was at her own apartment a few doors down with some other people who can vouch that she was there and her children were not when they were killed. So she's saying, I have an alibi. I was not at my brother's apartment. And that's when they were killed and that's where they were killed. And conveniently, Matt, conveniently, that brother is now dead. Well, right. So... (laughs) Did I do a good job telling that story? You did a real, that was very concise. Did I seem like a true crime podcaster? Yeah, we might have to change genres. Okay, yeah. I yeah. think the reason it's a big deal is because this is the first time she's admitted that um, she was aware of her children being killed when they were true. killed, right? That's true. So that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. She, she also knows says she knows that, where they were killed, for instance, yeah. right? That's a big yeah. deal. We 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 didn't know where they were killed. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, She also says that she and Chad Daybell should be able to communicate, even though they're both in prison, they haven't been able to communicate with each other and that they need to be able to talk to each other before their trial. And so that's- I agree. You got to coordinate those alibis, right? You got to get your story straight. You can't be like, I was in Hawaii when his wife died. That's right. Like, I don't know, somehow, like, what is his story going to be about how her children's bodies ended up on his land? You want to coordinate those stories. She can't be like, I had no idea. They just suddenly ended up in my husband's property. I think they are going to blame everything on her brother, Alex. Sure, of course. He's dead, right? He's conveniently died also. so not so convenient. I mean, for him, that's horrible. I do think that his death was ruled not... not right. murder and not accidental, but I do think it was convenient timing. Like I'm still suspic- suspicious of it, but. You and everybody else who follows the story, but we have to remind everybody innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. And Chad <laughs> and Lori Daybell do not have to testify in their behalf. They don't have mm-hmm. to answer any of the questions. All they have to do is poke holes in what the prosecution says. And so mm-hmm. they should have the right to communicate with each other so that they can coordinate like, what holes they want to poke in the def- in the prosecution's evidence because mm-hmm. that's the foundation of our justice system. Matthew, 
Um, you're really bugging me with your like really <laughs> neutral take here. But what I'm thinking is you are an Idaho resident and mm-hmm. with answers like that, you could get put on the jury. I know, but it's going to be an Ada County. I'd have to move to Boise, but it's not out oh. of the question. I might oh, do it. I hope. <laughs> Stuff the jury ballot box to see if somehow I could be sequestered in Boise for a long time. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. So, um, oh, I have to get back to where I was at. Okay, so big deal, little deal, or no deal. Um, Houston transfer. So the church has set up a transfer center for immigrants in the in the Texas region, Houston, in the Houston area. Okay. Is, is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one. Big little deal. deal. You said okay. little deal? Well, I mean, I, I like anytime the church helps. And there's thousands of volunteers from the church that are helping there. Yeah. And the reason I say little deal is because the center, which is amazing. I'm so glad they have a place to help people crossing the border come and yeah. find shelter. But they can only house up to 500 immigrants per day. And there were I like... See. Two and a half million that crossed that border last year. It's like a, a little drop in yeah. like what is needed. So that's why I said little deal. That's true. I think it's a big deal for the reasons that you said earlier, though. I think it's amazing that our church does stuff like this, right? Yeah. And they're they're bringing together. It's not just only run by the church. They're like bringing together the community to help run it. They're providing a clean space, a safe space. They're providing cots and clothing and, you know, diapers and formula for infants. And, um, and I don't know, maybe this is something we'll see grow, but I, I think, yes, it is a drop in the bucket, but it's a big deal that we're taking action on things like this. I think it's great. Okay. Okay, Matt, our stories are so different from each other. <laughs> okay. Just remember that I'm a librarian. Okay. That's mm-hmm. my profession. Okay. Have you ever heard of the book, Go Ask Alice? No. Okay, that's fine. I'm still going to tell you the headline, and you can say big deal, little deal, no deal. Okay? okay. Here's the headline. How a Mormon housewife turned a fake diary into an enormous bestseller. Really? Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. Big deal. Little deal. <laughs> Thanks for giving it a big deal, Matt. A bestseller? Do you know how hard it is to write a bestseller? Okay, that's listen. a big deal. It is a big deal. This book, Go Ask Alice, is um, it's a very teenage book, okay? It is, um, it's been out for a long time, like since the 70s, but it's still very much read. Um, it is supposed to be, so when you purchase the book, Go Ask Alice, the author is listed as anonymous. It's always been listed as anonymous. And it's supposed to be the true diary written by a teenage girl, right? And then you get almost to the end of the book. So you're just reading this diary about this teenage girl and she's like dealing with all of the life stuff. And I mean, you would never believe it's a Mormon housewife that wrote this because she's like experimenting with drugs and like sex and like running away and like all of this, all of this stuff that's like super teenagery, right? And at, you get almost to the end of the book and there's like the, the journal is interrupted and it says, um, it says basically, well, it says like the, the girl, the teenager who was writing this book died. What? Um, yeah. Her parents came home from a movie and found her dead. They called the hospital, but there was nothing anyone could do. We don't know if she died of an overdose, premeditated or accidental, but um, you can't ask Alice anymore. 
So the book like dramatically ends and it says that the diary stopped being written because the girl died and maybe she killed herself or maybe she accidentally overdosed. And but it's, this is like a big book that like so many teenagers read. But, and it's very like um, risque in a lot of places, right? And so nobody for ages and ages and ages has known who the author was, but everybody really always thought that it was a real teenage girl. And now it comes out that the author was a Mormon housewife, a mother of five, lived in Happy Valley, um, <laughs> you know, um, spent time at Brigham Young campus, like wow. totally, totally crazy. Yeah. This sounds like my experience with the novel Life of Pi. So uh-huh. I, don't, I don't read fiction all that much. And so m- my wife was listening to this audiobook, Life of Pi, and I thought it was a biography. And so <laughs> I just get brought into this story. I'm like, no way. Like the boat crashes and there's, oh, could you imagine what that would be? And then at a certain point in the book, like this island is alive or something like that. Yeah. And it just starts getting really crazy. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think this is true. And then I look at the cover, a novel, and I was like, oh man, I feel so duped. (laughs) I thought it was real, but it was just a story. Yeah. So then I hated Life of Pi. So that might happen with Go Ask Alice when people- I mean, I think the weird thing is that it has been, it's resonated with so many teenagers because they believed that it was written by a teenager who really understood what it was like to be them. And I don't think anybody's going to be like, huh, wonder what a Mormon mom thinks being a teenager is like. Like it's- but Maybe she understands. And her solution was to get married to a member of our church and raise a family. You're right. I think, I think you've solved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next story is, this is uh, in Washington State. The church settled a sex abuse lawsuit for one point, I think, $7 million. So oh. is that a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Three? Two, one, big deal. deal. Oh, I got to tell you why it's a big deal. Okay. So, you know, these states have passed laws that allow you to go back in the past and sue people who may have raped you in the past. Have you? Are you familiar okay. with that? Not really, but go ahead. Yeah, so, so there's like a, a little window, a little period of time. I, I became aware of these laws because apparently there was a movie, Romeo and Juliet, and the two people in the movie that starred in the movie were teenagers. And, oh, and yes. And then now they're suing, even though they're way old. They just have this little window where there's the statute of limitations is gone. So in Washington state, they're doing the same thing. There's this little window where people can sue for sexual abuse, things that happened in the past. And the lawyer who settled this particular lawsuit says he has 65 other clients that are making claims against the church. So there are going to be a lot of these cases where people, and in this particular case, what um, was the amount? It was high, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like almost almost two million dollars. Wow. So this in this case, the young man was a child and he was raped at church um, in the bathroom while his parents were setting up for an activity. And they went to the bishop and talked to him, the bishop about it. And the bishop said, Yeah, that young man's had other accusations, and then said to the family, please don't go to the police. I'm gonna try and help this young man work things out without the legal mm. process. Mm-hmm. The parents actually went to the police. Mm-hmm. So this this settlement is just because the bishop told them not to go to the police. Hmm. And and so and the church settled this one and I think there's going to be more like that because back in the day like bishops who knew like there weren't the same kind of like instructions and training and things like that for bishops back in the day as yeah. there are now. And so yeah, I think that um that's a big deal only because I think it's just for a little while here there's going to be a lot of these. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and the church is settling because it's just the easiest thing to do or it's helpful to victims or or what's that, do you think? The church's statement is something like that we're settling because it's in the best interest of all the parties. Uh-huh. And okay. the member of, and the person suing is a member of our church. And it's uh-huh. like, he, he talks about how that was hard for him yeah. to sue the church that he's an active member of. Sure. But he felt that account- accountability is important. Mm-hmm. So that's why he went through with the lawsuit. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one's going to be kind of quick because it's not specifically LDS related, but it is related to our standards. So um, here's your headline, the married mom advantage. Okay. <laughs> Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. No deal? No deal. <laughs> oh. um, this is um, from The Atlantic, and it's just um, talking about some research about um, how um, adults have been faring over the last decade, but specifically through the pandemic. And they said that even though the pandemic was difficult for married moms, right, because now you're not only working from home, you're supervising school and children while you're trying to do all of that. But what it said is that over the last decade, including through the, through the um, pandemic, the most satisfied group of people overall are married women. So oh. they're, um, more, they have more life satisfaction than childless women, than unmarried mothers, um, and then men. So married women are, um, are thriving. They have an advantage overall in life. So no, I'm sorry, not married women, but married moms. So oh. I thought that was interesting from just a perspective of, you know, that's kind of um, how most of us live our lives is as married moms in this church. And um, that statistically, that's good for us. You don't often hear that. You actually, no. I often hear it the opposite. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's what that says. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this story is um, there's a new Congress, and so new people have been elected to Congress. And the story is that the percentage of members of Congress who affiliate with our religion, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is roughly the same as the percentage of U.S. adults who affiliate with our religion. Okay. Ready? Oh, three, two, one. No deal. deal. Oh, no, 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 we're opposite. It's a big deal. Well, well it's, all it's saying is that this we're equally represented in Congress as we are in the overall population, right? Right, but that doesn't happen with, there's a lot of groups in society that that's not true of. Hmm. So the fact that we're so small, like we're 2% of the population, that we actually have 2% in Congress makes us unusual, right? Like the Muslims can't say that. Hindus can't necessarily say that. Okay. Religiously unaffiliated definitely can't say that. They're way underrepresented in Congress. So it's a big deal that... Spoken we like are, a true political science professor. It just <laughs> suggests that we are not no longer an outcast of society group. We're okay. a group that we're, we're a part of the team. We're a part of the fold. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Okay. Rah, rah, us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's our last one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. The church's family history centers are getting a new name. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. No, no deal. deal. <laughs> but wait, wait. It's, what's the new name? Well, so instead of calling them family history centers, they're going to be called family search centers. So mm-hmm. it's rebranding. Um, and um, basically, it's just trying to say, like, we're a global brand. You don't have to be a member of the church. 
in order to take advantage of the family search centers. And really it's just kind of saying like, let's just, let's just rebrand and make this more, I don't know. I don't know. Family search is, it's not history. Like, I don't know why family history is not a global enough thing, but, um, but yeah, so they're rebranding. There's no more genealogy. We got rid of that word too. Yeah, we did. Although, um, they are still called genealogical records, but we're oh. not doing genealogy, I guess. Um, Family Search said that this year it plans to add up to 1 billion new online genealogical records from around the world. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're definitely... Um, they're definitely still doing an enormous amount of work. And I think largely the work is done by members of the church, but there are lots and lots of people who are not members of the church who take advantage of these resources. So let's talk about Mormons doing goodly. Okay. Mormons doing goodly. We don't have a theme song for it yet. That was it. I just like sang. Oh, I like it. that. Yeah. Mormons we, doing goodly. Let's save that one. Okay, so I'm I'm just gonna pick one, and it's an anonymous individual. We don't know who it is, but there's oh. an individual. They call him Secret Santa or her. Uh-huh. And this individual gives a million dollars away each Christmas. They wow, they a million? A million dollars. They partner with East Idaho News. And East Idaho News throughout the month of December will find people in need, people who are like, like need something, and then they'll use this pool of a million dollars and buy something. So they've purchased vehicles for individuals who've lost family members. They'll purchase wheelchairs. They'll find shelter for people who have pets that don't have shelter for the pets. There's all kinds of- This is fantastic. Yeah. Wait, how do we know it's a member of the church if we don't know who it is? Because they're in East, East Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's fair. That's fair. I don't That's know awesome. all. I don't know all of the East Idahoans that have a million dollars to give away, but I think <laughs> I think they're members of our church. I think you're right. You're right. Um, I have a story about Mormons doing goodly. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of the BYU animation department, but it is literally the, if not the best, one of the top animation schools in the country. They are known everywhere for just really being an amazing animation department. Um, I just know this because my daughter graduated in animation. And so um, she's in that world. And I thought this was kind of cool is that um, a BYU student invented an animation game and um, it got accepted. And then as a team, as an animation team, they worked on this new game together. It's kind of a spinoff of the Grim Reaper But they've turned it into just kind of this really beautiful um, sheep and shepherd game. And it has a lot of um, analogies to the Savior without being blatantly religious. Um, There's a lot of religious undertones, a lot of life lessons, a lot of things happening in the game that are about um, a shepherd leading sheep on a safe journey. But it is based on the Grim Reaper. Anyways, so the students worked on this game. They didn't have a lot of time for about a year and ended up winning some big awards presenting to major um, industry executives and just being recognized for really developing an amazing game. Um, I think if you have a chance, you should look at it. The animation and graphics on this are out of control. And, and I think it's cool that a BYU student gets recognized for doing really good work and trying to make it, um, trying to make it something that's positive in the gaming world. Very nice. Yeah. Let's talk about this week in Mormon history. 
Oh, I love history. <laughs> I don't, Matt, but you always make it so exciting. Okay, tell me what happened this week in Mormon history, <laughs> and I'll be of, interested. They're getting rid of family history, so we got to bring some history back Mor- in. Okay, that sounds good. And we can call it Mormon mm-hmm. history because they were called Mormons back then. That's, That's right. how it works. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. You know, well, that actually is interesting because the first one I'm going to tell you about is 130 years ago, January 4th, 1893. So I do do teach classes about the presidency and people will often ask me, who is the best president of the United States? Okay. And um, I always put Benjamin Harrison on on my list of top five because 130 years ago, President Benjamin Harrison issued a proclamation of amnesty to all polygamists who had entered into that relationship before November 1st, 1890. And then after that, people in Utah could vote again. Oh, really? Okay, so so just to be clear, had the church outlawed polygamy at this time? Yeah, so what happened was there was a Supreme Court decision. It's called U.S. v. Mormon Church, or maybe Mormon Church. But yeah, U.S. v. Mormon Church. And in that Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court said that the United States government could take away, could seize all the property of anybody who had ever practiced polygamy or anything like that. So Hmm. they could seize temples, they could seize individual assets, and all Hmm. these people could be rounded up. So so basically the the Supreme Court said that uh, if you are convicted of of cohabitation or polygamy or anything like that, you Mm -hmm. can lose everything. And then um, after that, then there was the revelation ending polygamy. Okay. Uh, And then after that then the church was really excited about the idea of not having these Supreme Court decisions enforced and losing everything because okay. there were procedures in place that were going to seize the Salt Lake Temple, for example, huh. and put it in. And so they sent uh, somebody on horseback. I, for, I think it was Joseph F. Smith, but I don't remember. Someone goes okay. on horseback to Washington, D.C. With, with the proclamation that you have in the Doctrine and Covenants. It says, look, we no longer practice polygamy. Okay. And, and look, we're going to have a lot of Republicans in the state of Utah. If you play your cards right, Benjamin Harrison, we voted for you. And so <laughs> Benjamin Harrison then does this amnesty. And so all of us are who ever po- practice polygamy. We don't have to worry about going to jail and losing our property and we can vote again and things like that. Huh? Okay. Matt, that was an interesting story. That was good. Tell me another one. Okay. 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 This will okay. be, be the last one. Okay. 35 years ago today, Okay. So January 3rd, 1988, so 35 okay. years ago, roughly this week, single full-time missionaries arrive in Poland, the first communist democratic republic, all, uh, sorry, first communist democratic republic also grants entry to LDS missionaries, as well as permitting its own citizens to serve foreign missions. So the, it happened in Yugoslavia 20 years earlier. And okay. in, and Czechoslovakia, their government also allowed um, LDS missionaries in. So it was 35 years ago that missionaries from our church first started entering communist countries in Eastern huh. Europe. That's not that long ago. No. Huh. No. Yeah, that is interesting. Okay. Okay. And that's, uh, that, Matt, that's this week in Mormon history. <laughs> that's what we have. <laughs> There's another one about the John Birch Society, but I don't want it to be too political on this podcast. So. Oh, no, no. I've got to hear it. John Birch Society. I'm ready. Do you know, do you know what the Give John Birch Society is? I have no idea. Okay. Well, it's it was a, it's it's still around today. It's a politically active organization. But 
It, so 60 years ago, January of 1963, the first presidency announced, we deplore the presumption of some politicians, especially officers, coordinators, and members of the John Birch Society who undertake to align the church or its leadership with their political views. So they're saying, don't group us in with y'all, John Birch Society. That's right. Rude. I mean, I don't know. Necessary? Matt, I don't understand. Well, at the time, the the coordinator of the Utah Birch Society was Reed Benson, uh, Ezra Taft Benson's son. Oh. so, So the first presidency, I think, just wanted to make people know, just because President Benson's son happens to be running this, it doesn't mean that it's church endorsed or whatever. Okay. Was this like one of the first times that the church was trying to make themselves politically neutral? Um, I think that the church has been trying to make itself politically neutral since moving to Utah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that would be, I think that that's a fair way to, yeah, okay. that's a good, it was, it's just a, a reiteration of them trying to be politically neutral in the 1960s. And that's this week in Mormon history. <laughs> I did it's it again so for exciting. you. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, uh, we encourage you to subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media. You can find us on facebook.com, This Week in Mormons, on Twitter at The Real Twim, um, or you can contact us by email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Any closing thoughts, Melissa, before we end? Um, um, I'm really um, grateful for the way that you've improved throughout this podcast. And instead of saying Mormons, saying the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> and with that, we'll, hear, we'll see you again whenever we see you again. Thanks Have a for great listening. week.